That's not, that's not evil? Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil? Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about Richard? I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of us. Don't, don't use those kinds of slurs. Well, I, there are no slurs here. Definitely, our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That's what they. That's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. You're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. Is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking off to every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of the hands of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Welcome. Here we are in South Bend, Indiana, once again as the world slowly dissolves into chaos and uh, violence and so on and so forth. We had uh, a lot of interesting things to talk about today. Uh, uh, hopefully a guest will be coming on. Uh, Gemma is going to, Gemma O'Doherty uh, should be here at some point or other. Uh, whenever uh, to talk about her experience, recent experience and what's happening in the world right now. Is Gemma available now? Yeah, yeah. we'll bring her on. Hi there, Dr. Mike. Hi, Dr. Hi, Gemma. Good to see you. Good to see you. I hear you've been banned again. I've been banned again. Yes, I have been. Yep, I've been banned on Twitter. It looks permanent at this stage. So nothing has changed. Nothing has changed, in my opinion. So I was real optimistic when Elon Musk took it over. Uh, and uh, I got reinstated, and he seemed to be, he fired that guy, Joel Roth, but uh, are you telling me the situation is different in Ireland? Well, I think because Ireland is the, you know, the base for so much of their nefar nefarious activities, especially vaccine production, all the big tech companies are headquartered here. Their European, Middle Eastern and African headquarters are here in Dublin, uh, you know, from Twitter, Facebook, Google, they're all here. So they need Ireland and they don't need somebody like me um, in their face. And I had one of the biggest Twitter accounts. Uh, I was definitely the biggest as a journalist on our side, as it were. And I was the most retweeted journalist in Ireland. And I had about 65,000 followers. I was banned pre-COVID. Uh, no, just actually just when COVID got going, I think it was something to do with vitamin C that they banned me over, as you do. Um, and so I was gone, you know, during that time I was defamed night and day. I was doxxed on Twitter. I got consistent uh, threats on my life, death threats. I complained to Twitter about this. Nothing was done. 
And then when Elon Musk took over, I thought, right, I'm going to try and get my account back. Uh, I tried. I made several applications, no reply, nothing, deafening silence. So I said, right, well, I'm going to set up another account, which I did. And it was growing, growing. I 10,000 followers, which is quite big for Ireland. And it was it was found the other day. No explanation whatsoever. Um, and so I set up another one, Gemma's spokesperson, and that was banned. So, and I've been trying to make contact with Twitter, but you just can't. You just can't. So no. nothing has changed. I know you're still there, which is great. Yeah, I, I've been warned uh, periodically. Sometimes it, I'll get this thing that uh, there's been a complaint filed. There was a concerted uh, effort about two weeks ago. Uh, they were just going after me and bombarding whoever uh, is responsible for this at Twitter, telling them, me that I had to be canceled. And uh, they, they would send me periodically messages, says there's been a complaint, but we reviewed it. And uh, we have, uh, you didn't violate our rules or the laws of the state of Germany. They kept adding, or the laws of the state of Germany. Uh, and so I kept, I kept going and nothing happened. So nothing has happened here. So it looks as if you had different standards here, depending on where you are. Maybe Ireland has a, you're probably more of a threat in Ireland than I am here. That's, that's probably the reason. I think because the pool in Ireland is so small. I was using a hashtag called the noticing, which I'm sure many of your viewers know. The noticing being people becoming aware of the fact that it is Jewish control that is the problem, Jewish global control, the Jewish industrial complex. And when people get it, they get it. It, it may, especially Catholics, because it's instinctively we should know that if we know our gospel, etc. Um, so it comes to people quite quickly, I think, in Ireland, you know, when you explain it, well, they run the media, they run Hollywood, they run Big Pharma, they run Big Tech, they run everything. They're behind it. They they run. They own our currencies. They control our currencies. They're causing all of the hyperinflation. Yes, they've lots of going doing the dirty work for them. But I think that hashtag has been because I noticed that a few very good accounts that I had followed are also gone now as well. So they don't like that that hashtag. I don't think you use it, do you? I don't think so. No, no. Yeah, it's the notice. They're noticing. I know your colleague Mike knows it. I think yeah. it's more sort of maybe for the millennials are using it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we've had so something similar happening over here. Uh, when, when Biden became president, one of the Jewish magazines wrote an article kind of uh, quelling, as they say in Yiddish, you know, being so proud of themselves because there were enough Jews in the West Wing to have a minion, which is the number of Jews you need to have a prayer service at the synagogue. And so they're real happy about themselves. And as soon as you quote it, you're an anti-Semite. But uh, after about uh, over two years, we're starting to realize that there are consequences for this. And the, the beginning of the uh, understanding of this was uh, something I think I've mentioned before when uh, Josh Hawley called uh, Merrick Garland to account for basically uh, using the FBI to go after Catholics, uh, specifically pro-life Catholics. Uh, and he, you know, pursued it you know, bravely. That was good. He brought the word Catholic into it, but he didn't bring the other side of the equation in. So it kind of remains mysterious. Like, why is this Garland, guy Garland going after Catholics? Well, he's going after Catholics because he's Jewish. And because he's Jewish, uh, he believes that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. That's his religion. And when you put a Jew in charge of law enforcement, he's going to impose his religion on everyone. And it won't look that way to the outside observer, but that's exactly what he's doing because abortion is part of his religion. And he goes after people that don't uh, uh, agree with him, like Catholics who are pro-life, uh, and uh, will not prosecute people who do agree with him, uh, namely groups like Antifa. And so it turns out that uh, the reason the list uh, show of Catholics showed up at the FBI office is because the SPLC had compiled it. And it turns out I was on the list. OK, so once you start putting that together, it starts to make sense. And once it starts to make sense, they don't like it. They don't like you understanding things. And that got even worse. OK, uh, when uh, a few days later, uh, there was a riot in Atlanta 
and uh, or they arrested 20 guys. It turns out one of the guys, these Antifa rioters, is the lawyer for the Southern Poverty Law Center. Well, that made it look even worse. Okay, so what happened, should have happened is basically uh, call him back. Get Merrick Garland back here. Oh, oh, wait a minute. He's out of town. Oh, well, where did he go? Well, he's in the Ukraine. Oh, wait a minute. What, what's the attorney general doing in the Ukraine? Don't we have a secretary of state to do that? Uh, well, uh, he's in there because he wants to shake hands with Zelensky. So it's the two Jews getting together again because they can't collaborate with anyone who's not a Jew, pretty much. That's pretty much what we're saying here. I mean, sure, if you got an FBI agent who's a dumb goy who went to Notre Dame and you tell him what to do, yeah, if you call that collaboration, that's collaboration. But that's not the way it works here. So they only feel comfortable with uh, other Jews collaborating on Jewish projects like the war in the Ukraine, which is the big Jewish project at this moment. And now we know that because uh, not only everybody goes over there in the in the Biden cabinet. So uh, after that, uh, we have uh, our, our secretary of state who does have some reason to go over there because that's kind of his job. OK, and uh, uh, so he's uh, should be responsible for what's going on there and checking it out. Uh, he's been there. But on the day when the uh, Chinese pull off the biggest diplomatic coup of the decade by brokering a peace between Saudi Arabia and Iran, uh, Blinken's giving an award, Woman of the Year award, to a man from Argentina. What can you say? But, well, I mean... but, but wait a minute, this is another Jewish cause. You know, the whole transgenderism thing, the whole uh, sexual subversion thing, that's a Jewish cause too. And he doesn't, he, he's, his main qualification now is he, he doesn't talk to people. Uh, he doesn't talk to the goyim. It's called negotiation. And negotiation is supposed to be what the Secretary of State does, but this guy doesn't. He, he, he starts every conversation with, I've got relatives that died in the Holocaust. That's exactly what Merrick Garland said when he went to Ukraine. And then after you say that, you issue orders. You give ultimatum to the wogs out there, to the Russians. And, and suddenly that's not working anymore. It's not working. Something's going wrong here. Same thing with our Secretary of Treasury. She's another Jew. Uh, she's in the Ukraine. What are you doing in the Ukraine? You've got banks failing in America, and you're over in the Ukraine, and you're giving money to uh, Zelensky, bill, a billion and a half dollars after handing him a hundred billion already while the banks are failing here. Why is this going on? Well, because it's Jew to Jew. It's a Jewish project. This is what they do. If you appoint them to an office, any office in government, they will represent uh, Jewish interests and they will persecute any goy who has the temerity to oppose Jewish interests. That's the situation we're in right now. Absolutely. And they're being dumped in here by the, you know, the truckload. I mean, we can't get it. I mean, the, the finest hotels in Ireland, beautiful country house hotels, they're being put up on them like Georgian country estates. I was talking to somebody today and she was telling me that they get 250 about euros a week into the hand cash, which is about $250. And then if they have a child with them, they get about 120 dollars into the oh. hand extra per child it's a they get taxied everywhere they don't have to pay for taxis they get everything free healthcare, dental care you name it they get clothes they get housing it's i'm ready to come over i'm ready yeah, to come well, over. yeah oh well no you're irish american so you, you second class my irish grandfather is going to be held against me i guess in, in this regard Absolutely. That would, you would be the last sort of person they'd want, you know, because you love Ireland. But right. just getting back to Twitter, um, because I think it is interesting, Mike, that Musk, you know, that Musk gave the Twitter files to a, a squad of, you know, alternative journalists. Yeah. One of them being Matt Taibbi. Yeah. Another being, I think her name is Barry Weiss. So I thought, oh, OK, because I mentioned four times in the Twitter files as a journalist in Ireland that had to be shut down. And they who, had- Who said that? Who said that? He was a guy, he's a, I can't remember his title in Twitter, but he had a big title. He worked for Twitter. And um, 
my account was being monitored. See, because I was I was very heavily, I was just did a stream on the, I was doing the HPV vaccine, how dangerous the HPV vaccine was. In, like in 2019, 2018, I was just showing people an interview I did um, with Robert Kennedy Jr. in 2019 on the dangers of the HPV vaccine. So I was really above target then. And so they were watching me for a good while. And so they put somebody within Twitter on onto me. I think he's Irish, but he worked in, they have their European headquarters in Dublin. But in the Twitter files, this guy was exposed as being somebody. So I mentioned four times, little old me. So I thought, okay, I'm going to contact these guys, these, you know, investigative journalists who are exposing all of the corruption that went on in Twitter. I can't get hold of Matt Taibbi, who says he's Irish. He claims he's Irish. I'm looking forward to having that conversation. Is that an Irish name? Doesn't sound like an Irish name to me. No, he says, I think he says he's Irish and from and Filipino, but it doesn't sound Filipino to me no, either. It sounds Lebanese. It's another nationality too, but he seems to promote the Irish first. Yeah. And but then I contacted this, I think it's Barry Weiss. And what does it turn? I just after I'd emailed her saying, you know, well done and your courageous work. Uh, for some reason I'm still banned. I have a really big account in Ireland and could I please have it back? And I sent that off to her yesterday. And then I said, I must look into this woman. She's a Jewish lesbian. Ah, ah. I'm sure that has nothing to do with it, though. That is completely, <laughs> completely <laughs> besides the point. They don't impose their views on anyone. And the, the, fact, the, fact that that, the fact that you had that thought is proof that you're a bad person. Shame on you. But when she gets an email, she's already got it from Ireland's biggest anti-Semite anti homophobe. She's gonna freak. So anyway, not to worry. <laughs> well, this, this the problem here is that this is getting more and more serious by the day. So I had a conversation with a yeah. an Estonian monk friend of mine uh, that I met in Norway. Stayed at the monastery in Norway with him. He's in Poland now, and he uh, because he grew up in Estonia. When he did, he speaks fluent Russian, and he's monitoring all these Russian. Uh, channels and Russian websites, and they're they're getting really serious about this thing. The the change has taken place gradually, but now at a certain point, the Russians uh, declared. But I think Putin said it himself: is that uh, Ukraine is no longer the enemy. It's not. They're not at war with the Ukraine. They're at war with the United States, and and they're drawing conclusions from this fact now. Uh, one of which is that if uh, the war will not be confined to Europe, if it breaks out, uh, they feel that they are entitled now to attack uh, the American continent. Well, this is big news. This is serious, fellas. <laughs> this is the, this is a, a a country. It's not a pushover country. It's got all these nuclear weapons. They're winning the war now. Uh, it, it looks as if they're going to have the the final grand climactic battle here with Bakhmut now. They're just about to close the cauldron. It looks as if the Ukraine is going to send in 80,000 troops to break the cauldron open. Uh, this is serious business. And once again, we got a, 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 a secretary of state whose job is diplomacy who can't talk to anyone. Can't talk to anyone except a fellow Jew uh, like Zelensky. And now he's uh, opening a front in uh, Kyrgyzstan. It's not enough that we have a war going on here in the Ukraine. We're going to open up another front in Kyrgyzstan. This is really serious. How serious does it have to get before we can start talking openly about the qualifications of the people that are leading this country, country I live in, into uh, up to the precipice of nuclear war? Uh, we're not allowed to talk about this. How long is this going to go on? Well, I I think I would. I feel quite differently, I think, to you in relation to the, the nuclear threat. I'm not really convinced. I'm not overly convinced that they're capable of using a nuclear bomber, whether one exists at all. I'm, I'm not convinced of that. I know you probably are. And I think it's really to keep people in fear mode. We don't want to see Americans going off to war again. We don't want to see British. Look, we're a neutral country. You know, our constitution 
states, we are neutral. We've never got involved in any wars because we knew who was funding them all. And uh, we, we were not going to be dragged into them. And all of a sudden now, you know, our government is, is saying, yeah, we're in. We're in. Please, can we be in the war as well? You know, little Ireland. We haven't a clue about any of this stuff, but we want to be in with the big boys. So, but I do think it's, a, it's about the fear agenda because they have to implement Agenda 2030 in seven years. You know, and they're going relentlessly over here and in the UK at the moment with the digital surveillance, getting that bedded down. It's nonstop, you know, you know, your your property. We're going to have to work out how many dogs you have. This is the latest thing. They want to know exactly how many dogs you have on your property. They want your neighbor. If you have a second home and you don't live in it or you don't go to it very often, they have now set up a scheme where your neighbors can actually film your property and send it into government and say this house hasn't been occupied for three weeks. It's this is every single day now in Ireland and in the UK, they're pushing this agenda where our, our freedom, our privacy is just going to be snatched. But I know obviously it's very worrying what is happening in, in, in Russia and in Ukraine. It's very worrying, but I think a lot of it is hype. Well, it's, I've, I've noticed this, uh, the fate of small European countries when I was uh, uh, right uh, around the early 90s when everybody was euphoric. I went to, uh, uh, it was still Czechoslovakia at that point, and met uh, a man who had been involved in the overthrow of communism there. And he told me, you know, that uh, everybody's euphoric and then suddenly uh, National Review the uh, conservative magazine, some representative shows up at his door and starts talking to him. Uh, uh, well, now that you're free, what, what do you need? We'd like to help you. So he said, well, this is great. He said, uh, well, actually, we could help, need help with our libraries because they've just filled with worthless communist books that have been accumulated over the past 30 years or so. Uh, so you could do that. And the guy from National Review says, uh, oh, that's great, but that's not what you really need. What you really need is to join NATO. And then he goes in, he's going to recruit this guy to uh, create a symposium at the castle in Prague. Uh, and they're going to bring in Margaret Thatcher and they're going to pr persuade the Czechs to join NATO. This was, this was with probably within minutes, <laughs> probably within minutes of the collapse of the Soviet Union. This is exactly what was happening with NATO. All of these small countries have been crushed, uh, uh, pressed into NATO. They even uh, the stupid, I don't know how this happened, but the stupid Czechs are, are, are apparently reelected some NATO general to be their president again. But this is the fate of all of the small countries in Europe and, and the big countries as well, if you include Germany. But it's not, I don't, I don't get the sense that it's working. There are huge demonstrations in France now. The Dutch, uh, Par uh, Farmers Party has taken over the parliament. Uh, there's, you know, Hungary is making noises, uh, although that's a mixed blessing because he seems to want to uh, curry favor with the uh, with the Israelis uh, for some reason or other. Anyway, I don't know. It it seems I don't know how long you could ignore this, uh, but anyway, this time we're going to have go to questions. Uh, you can hang around. Uh, uh, we are opening up the floor to questions now. You can ask either me or Gemma, uh, whatever you want to talk about. Okay. All right. Hopefully you can all hear me. This is uh, Mike Bajakis, Dr. Jones' assistant, once again, coming in uh, to assist with the chats here on Telegram. Um, for those who are new, uh, our Telegram chat is posted in the links of the various streamed locations. We are streaming on Odyssey and Rumble right now. We're doing some multi-streaming right now. So we're, we're expanding for those people who were asking about that. All right, for the rules, uh, there are no paid super chats. Uh, try to keep questions roughly on subject. Try to keep to one subject, be respectful of time. And for Telegram, do not forget to unmute yourself. Very important. All right, let's go to the chats. Let's see, Charles, Ottawa, William Wade. All right, you there? Evening. Good evening. Can you hear me? I can. Well, uh, thank you again for the opportunity to ask questions, Dr. Jones, and uh, it's great to have Gemma on as well. 
And uh, Patriots, I'd say. But uh, essentially, I, I believe last time I asked, I wanted to ask about this because uh, you've often talked about the triple melting pot and uh, the Catholic Protestants and the Jews in the United States. And I asked about that last time. And what I wanted to do was expand on that this time around, because uh, essentially when, when you see the sort of the pro-life movements in the United States, you'll notice the sort of constituents of that movement tend to be a Catholics, which is, we both know here, but the, I've also noticed it contains a substantial number of evangelical Protestants. And I, we of course make a distinction between evangelicals and mainline Protestants. Right. And mainline Protestants being completely, their churches are essentially, they're completely captured, essentially. There's, there's absolutely nothing there anymore. But evangelicals seem, see, still seem to have, at the very least, this uh, biblical zeal about them. They oppose homosexual marriage and, uh, abortion and all that thing, but they also seem to be the most fervently Zionist. And I, I wonder how they justify that, uh, contradiction there. They don't. And, uh, I wonder if you could. Yeah. I look, I had, I had this example. You're talking about a state like Oklahoma, exactly what you just mentioned, very pro-life, very Zionist. And the, the, the main reason they can do that is because they don't have a category called the Jew. It's not a category that exists in their mind. Or if it exists, uh, it's theoretical. It doesn't have any real meaning. So how do they justify it? They do not justify it. They have two separate compartments in their mind. Uh, they're uh, they're pro-Zionist largely because of the influence of the Schofield Bible on those evangelical churches. But the interesting thing is when you get together with these people, as I've done in, in Oklahoma, and you bring up the contradiction their entire world collapses. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what some young guy told me in Oklahoma. He said, when I figured out what you were saying, my entire world collapsed. At that point, he became a Catholic. So it can only exist if you don't bring the reality to their minds. Once you bring the reality to their minds, their minds start working. The mind will not rest with that contradiction. Minds cannot rest with contradiction. They will constantly work at it until finally they resolve it in something called the truth. And then when you reach the truth, then the mind will be at rest. Well, thank you, Dr. Jones. Uh, God bless to you both. Thank you. Uh, next, we have uh, Luke. Go ahead. Oh, hello, Dr. Jones. Sorry about the technical kerfuffle before. Um, first, I've got two questions for you. Uh, first question is, uh, did you fact check the stuff I gave you in episode 15 about a certain doctrine and a law being passed in Germany and all that? No. And the other question, okay. Well, it's something to, something to look, look into. I rated the comment sections before. Um, the other thing was, uh, what do you know about the Black Mass uh, as being opposed by Catholics? Because there's a cult in Australia which does what they call the Gnostic Catholic Mass, the, or, the Ordo Templi Orientis, and they just had yet another victory in court. Um, if you check the AIDS newspaper, couple jailed for contempt in vilification case. Christians are being kidnapped and sent directly to jail after being tried in absentia for a law that doesn't exist in their state. They challenged jurisdiction. The High Court of Australia later upheld uh, in Bernstein and Corbett, there was no jurisdiction. And so the, the, the High Court of Australia has confirmed they have been kidnapped by police for the crime of blasphemy a.k.a. religious vilification for being critical of the auto templi orientis. The global head of the OTO is uh, David Shriven, a.k.a. Freitas Siberius X, and he's on camera in leaked training videos in the 90s saying we drink human blood in the context of spirit cooking because he was saying that due to the AIDS virus and only, only mammals which are our monkeys and humans get AIDS, last time I checked, we have to cook the blood. So that's where spirit cooking came from with Hillary okay. Clinton and the John Podesta emails. Okay. But yeah, this court is actually still jailing people, as of prosecuting people as of two days ago. 
No, this is so, this is a miscarriage of justice. Uh, of the, o- know about the black mass and shoot. The OTO is uh, Alistair Crowley's operation. So it's a satanic operation. Uh, This goes back to the so-called separation of church and state uh, in the United States, which creates all sorts of fictions. In other words, the the main fiction you can create is in the United States is that anybody has the right to start a church. Okay, that began with immigrants coming over here, persecuted Protestant minorities like the Puritans and so on and so forth. They got kicked out of England. They come over here and found the church and they tried to establish a principle based on what they did. Well, it doesn't really it doesn't really line up. Okay, you can it works for a little bit when everybody, you know, is someone like you and you're all kind of people from the same group of people. But then uh, once it gets globalized, you have people like uh, Satanists saying that they are a church. No, you're not a church. You're 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 this. You are right. Okay, the church, it would be right in preventing blasphemy. And these so-called churches are nothing but occasions for blasphemy. So you would have a right, the state would have a right to use that to stop uh, blasphemy. Now, when the, uh, when the, pre- the people, uh, the revolutionaries take over, the world gets turned upside down. And so the state's legitimate right to uh, uh, prosecute blasphemy will now be turned on the people who protest against blasphemy. That's just the way things work. All right, moving on here. And also for you guys in Telegram, you can't see right now because of the way my setup is, but Gemma is joining us. So if any of you want to ask Gemma a question, by all means, go ahead. All right, G-Boss, go ahead. Good evening, Dr. Jones. Uh, Good evening, Jenna. Um, Pretty new here. Um, I want to ask both of you two a question. So it's in regards to the Iraq war. I know the Iraq war anniversary uh, the second Iraq war invasion. Uh, it's the 20th anniversary since 2003. And I just want to have your takes on, um, because, you know, I've never experienced that type of an invasion. You know, I, I, uh, I was born after 2003, so I don't know how it was like, but my question for you both is the things that led up to Iraq in 2003, especially with the Jews and the Zionists and how we destabilized Iraq and whatnot. Do you think that that could happen do you think that there's any chance of that happening again in the near future? And in, and if so, how? Uh, for, first of all, I would say no. I think that the campaign that, first of all, let's let's be frank here. Everyone who talks about this with any sense always says that the neoconservatives led us into war. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Sachs, uh, Colonel McGregor, all people, the Duran, they all use the word neoconservative when they're, it's really a code word for Jew. They're not allowed to say the word Jew on YouTube or you'll end up being banned. So they use the word neoconservative. Now, this was part of a plan that was created by the Jews during the 90s, I believe, Project for the New American Century, I think it was called. And it was basically the systematic conquest of every country in the Middle East. That campaign stalled in Syria and it's not going anywhere after that, largely because of the collaboration of the Russians and the Iranians to stop uh, the, the the dismemberment of Syria. They are the ones who saved Syria. Uh, and I think that they are the ones who have basically stalled that 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 idea that, that America can just come in and roll over one country after another. It's not going to happen. That led to the war in the Ukraine. That's going to go badly for uh, NATO and the United States. So if you're asking me, I'm saying, no, it's not going to happen again. What do you think, Gemma? Is he talking specifically about Iraq or, sorry, I didn't really follow yeah, that. Iraq, Iraq. What, can, can another Iraq happen? Well, I mean, like any country that hasn't come under the control of the globalists at this stage is a target. I mean, we've been looking at Uganda and, and I think you've been exposing the fact that they're starting a color revolution there because... They have outlawed homosexuality. They've been very outspoken. The president there recently has been very outspoken and saying what most people, most Catholics think about homosexuality. Uh, so Uganda is being targeted. I mean, we subject, we were subjected to a color revolution here over the last decade. You know, we went from being a deeply Catholic, pro-life, anti-homosexuality, anti 
pornography, anti-promiscuity, anti-divorce country into a complete raving liberal cesspit of degeneracy. So any country, you know, it's the countries we saw during the COVID, the countries that didn't go along uh, with the, the scam, the scamdemic, the vaccine, they assassinated their leaders, you know, Haiti, where else? Um, Tanzania. Tanzania and somewhere else and of course iran at the moment i've been looking following your work on that mike and you know the fact there's some video that has gone viral on twitter um i saw the harry potter author promoting it jk rowling of five or six iranian girls teenagers and they're like dancing like sluts and apparently they're going to be jailed which is appalling but all of the feminists, all of the American feminists and the JK Rowlings are being, um, you know, they're promoting them. These poor girls. And you just see, oh, here we go. These Iranian teenage girls are literally going to be turned into Western sluts. And I hate to say, I hate to use that terminology, but, you know, they're dancing like tramps and shaking every part of their body around. And they're now heroines, you know? Yes. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm intimately involved with the situation in Iran right now, trying to uh, come to some type of consensus there that will allow them to resolve the hijab crisis and resolve the bigger crisis, uh, which is the birth dearth, the collapse, the demographic collapse of Iran. It's a big, deep issue, and I, I think I'm making some progress there. But I'm, I, I'm more, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I don't know why I'm optimistic, but I am probably because I'm a Catholic. But uh, I, I just don't see another Iraq ever happening again. I don't see it. I mean, that's not what happened in Ireland. You didn't have, you know, the entire infrastructure destroyed by a military that invaded your country. You're talking about the culture wars in Ireland. And uh, well, it's a yeah. slow kill. It's a, we are going through a genocide because our death rates are up over, you know, I mean, excess mortality is probably hitting about 30%. It's a slow kill. That's right. That's right. The vaccine is the equivalent to bombs being dropped and they're sterilizing young girls, you know, with the HPV vaccine. So we are being wiped out again. It's just a different form and our infrastructure is absolutely being destroyed. Yes, I agree. I agree. Okay, next caller here. We only got one person raising our hand in Telegram. So if you guys got any questions, don't forget. Hey, there's a couple. All right, let's go to Daniel Stone. Uh, go ahead. Afternoon, everyone. Evening, Gemma. Am I coming through okay? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Dr. Jones, pleasure to speak with you again. Gemma, nice to meet you. Uh, I'm calling in from Los Angeles. And uh, Dr. Jones, I had a question for you, but also for Gemma, because uh, I like to get a sense of, you know, how are things different states versus abroad? Um, so a question for both of you. Um, I'm a young man. I just turned 35. And, you know, you can say the, the, the heartstrings of desiring for a relationship um, but not seeing much potential in terms of, you can say, marriageable women. Uh, sometimes even within the church community, it seems very bleak. Do you have any uh, recommendations? I imagine I'm not the only young man who tunes into your uh, channel um, and, and listens to your uh, content, Mike, but uh, do you have any recommendations for uh, either things to look out for or, you know, how to, I don't know, Obviously, I, you know, I've got my own career. I've got that all, I'm focusing on that as much as possible. But do you have any recommendations uh, from both a man's perspective, but also, Gemma, if, would you be able to give a woman's perspective of, you know, maybe things that you're observing over in Ireland um, amongst young men and young women? Because obviously, there's a war on relationships. You know, they don't want people making babies in, in general, but particularly Christians making babies. Um, but uh, do you guys have any recommendations? I, I recommend the Irish pub. What do you recommend, Gemma? T tell me about the Irish. The Irish pub. Let me uh, you tell me because I, I I know the American Irish pub, but you tell me about the Irish pub. Is that where you're supposed to meet members of the opposite no. sex? I was talking to a female taxi driver the other day. We were talking about Ukrainian women, and unfortunately, there's a big problem now with prostitution. A lot of these, you know, migrant women are being exploited. 
And but she was telling me the difference between Ukraine, modern Ukrainian women and modern Irish women. And she said the Irish ones, you'd need a horse box to carry them home from the pub. They're so out of control and rowdy. She says the Ukrainians are much quieter. Now, <laughs> I'm sorry to my country women, but my fellow country women, but what, it's a very, very good question that you ask. And I know a lot of young men and a lot of young women are in this predicament because they want to settle down. They want to have families and have a normal, healthy life. That's what everyone wants. And, you know, so like what I would say, I would encourage you if you have a traditional Latin mass or even just a traditional mass in your parish, possibly not that easy in LA, I understand. But like, I think that is really the place to start because a woman who takes her faith seriously, her relationship with Jesus seriously, and who follows her faith is going to be a good wife and a good mother. And, you know, it's important to, like in Ireland, it was a lot, you know, the family, you were marrying into the family and who the parents were. Did the parents have, you know, strong faith and and good morals? And, you know, so I think it's important to take that seriously as well. Have the parents reared her to be um, somebody who, who takes her Christian faith seriously? And that means that she's not going to go around, you know, cheating on you or hurting you. Um, and if she has a, had a good Catholic upbringing, the chance of that happening are slimmer because she will be truthful and honest with you. So, but I know it's so difficult for young people today. It really is back to mass. As Mike says, back to mass. That's where you'll find a good wife. Yeah. We, uh, now that you mention it, we have two attendees of the local Latin mass here who can, uh, contribute to, uh, your, to any, any comments there from the, the peanut gallery about the Latin mass? <laughs> uh, not, uh, what do you I, think? Is it a great place to meet someone? Yes, yes, it is a great place. Go to Latin Mass. They're very, it's very. It's the nice. afterwards. How about you, Madeline? What do you think? Yeah, go to the Latin Mass. Meet your your wife there. For sure, mm -hmm. good women. Okay, there you have it. So, uh, our friend in Los Angeles, go to the Latin Mass. Now, do not go to Don't the. Go to don't go to the SSPX because you're asking for trouble. No. I'm warning you. Don't go to the, it's a Latin math, but don't go to it. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Next question. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. You guys have a wonderful day. Blessings to you. You too. Next we have MV. Go ahead. Hey, Dr. Jones, quick question. Um, I know that the, the Jewish history used to involve a debt jubilee every seven and 50 years. I don't know if that's still underway, if that's something that was common through all the populations, and I just never heard you talk about it. So I'm curious what, um, what you think about that, especially today with rising bankruptcies and debt levels. Thanks. Yes. First of all, I would not call it Jewish. I would call it Hebrew uh, because this is in the, uh, uh, the Torah, as part of the Torah, as part of the laws there. And it, it, it is a recognition of one of the fundamental facts of usury is that debt is unrepayable. And you need uh, the uh, debt, uh, if you leave it go, uh, floating debt, floating loans will become unrepayable after 60 years. There's no amount of money on earth that can repay them. And so you just have to basically kill the debt some way or other. And for debt forgiveness was the biblical solution. It's a great idea. It should be implemented, but it's not going to be implemented in a capitalist country because capitalism is state-sponsored usury. And the people who own the debt will not allow this uh, to happen. So what do we have instead? We have liberal bankruptcy laws. Uh, this is a, a Wall Street insider, master of the universe, told me this uh, a while ago. This is what we have instead of debt forgiveness. Now, by liberal bankruptcy laws, what do we mean? We mean that the rich and the powerful will be able to declare bankruptcy, but the poor schmucks who have student loans will not be allowed to declare bankruptcy. So that's that's the way it gets worked out. It's, once again, the religious solution is always the best solution because it is equitable 
uh, in a way, if you have the secular solution, you're talking about the separation of church and state. That means that the rich and powerful will determine how this uh, solution gets applied, which means that most of the people will be left out in the cold. So uh, that's my feeling. You have something to say, Gemma, about debt, usury, whatever? Figures on a screen. Figures on a screen. It doesn't exist. You know, it's there's no wealth backing it up. So they're just printing all this paper and creating the misery, creating the debt, inflating property prices. So absolutely, it, it will have to be wiped out if we can take control of the corridors of power. That's the problem. But it would have to be wiped out, certainly in Ireland. One of, one, of the country, one of the states in the United States that has the strictest usury laws is Texas. And the reason for that is that uh, they were all sharecroppers after the Civil War in the Deep South. And after the war, when the Yankees took over, when the carpetbaggers came down, a lot of the carpetbagger was a euphemism for Jew. Uh, largely from places like New York that came down and became furnishing nation, furnishing merchants who basically set up stores, general stores, where they would sell what the farmer needed to bring in his crop on credit. And then at the end of the year, the farmer would pay him when he got the harvest. And usually he ended up deeper in debt uh, uh, after he paid, after paying off uh, what he owed than he was before. 16 tons of what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. So it was actually made a song about that by Tennessee Ernie Ford. That's that's uh, one of the ways, one of the creative ways, the populist movement in Texas was a, a reaction against usury. We need that. But again, I mean, look, if you can't allow Gemma to say what she has to say, if every time you say something a Jew doesn't like, you get punished, uh, obviously these movements are, are never going to come to fruition. They can only censor us for so long, though, because people are finding out, you know. The truth so. is great and it will prevail. The mind will not rest until it finds the truth. The mind cannot accept contradiction. The mind will not rest. That's the divine spark of Logos in all of us. So we can bank on that, if you'll pardon the expression. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, see, it's... Uh, 547, Dr. Jones, want to do one more question and then go to the chat? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Uh, Marcus Aurelius, uh, go ahead. Don't forget to hit unmute, Mr. Aurelius. Yes. Hi. Hey, good evening. Um, so my question is, uh, do you think this war in Ukraine will help expose the truth um, about World War II and how, how Germany was, in fact, um, railroaded into the war by the Anglo-American establishment, um, much like uh, how Russia was been, has been quartered into uh, this war? Uh, by itself, no. But I, I think what, what, what you're going to see uh, let me give let me give uh, East Germany as an example. East Germany had a police state. Uh, it was called the Stasi, Staatssicherheits Organisation, and uh, nobody knew what was going on there until the regime fell. So, in some sense, uh, if th this war is go not going to go the way NATO wants it to go. We can pray that it doesn't it devolve into a nuclear war, but I think it's going to lead to the breakup of NATO. When something like that happens, when that regime changes, then there will be more opportunity to talk about things that we cannot talk about. And you're right. One of the things that needs to be talked about there is the true history of what happened to Germany, which is why I'm, in a sense, the, the book uh, that I'm writing, bringing out now, so I'm, I'm done writing it, we're going to be sending it to the printer soon, is basically a history of the Holocaust narrative, specifically as it applies to Germany, uh, and specifically as that German narrative got applied to the Catholic Church. Uh, so in a sense, what you're saying is it's already happening. It's already happening. Hegel said the Euler Minerva's fliegt meist by Demerung. The owl of Minerva flies mostly uh, in twilight. 
What does he mean by that? He's talking about the twilight of an empire, the twilight of a regime. This releases, once the pressure, the pressure of the empire has is of imposing this narrative on everyone as a form of control. Once that starts to break up, the owl of wisdom takes off and starts to fly. Minerva's owl starts to fly and people start putting things together in a way that makes sense to them rather than makes sense according to the official uh, guardians of the narrative. Yeah, because it, it seems it seems that it's what's happening, what they're trying to do to Russia is exactly what they did to Germany. I mean, it feels like 1939 all over again. Um, I think you're God. absolutely right. I think that the goal here is to break up Russia. And they tried to do that right after it happened. They did, to a certain extent, break up Russia uh, by breaking all those stands away on the southern tier. Uh, but that's they're starting to wake up now. Putin uh, is now saying that the only valid uh, boundaries are the ones that were established by the powers uh, of World War II, which in, by this he's saying that uh, we, uh, Russia, are going to uh, want back our historic boundaries and we're going to do it one way or another. And I think that's the movement, the geopolitical movement that is afoot right now. And I think that Xi Jinping and China, after the meeting, are on board with this idea. They, they are uniting the Eurasian landmass, uh, which is the biggest nightmare of the Anglo-American empire. And once that happens, you will see uh, the breakup of what used the old order. And when the old order breaks up, the owl of Minerva takes flight and we will have all sorts of possibilities for new, new understandings. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. We'll, uh, oh, any last words there, Marcus? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Can I, just one last thing. Do, do you think um, Putin will have the courage to talk about the Jews? That's a good question. I think that I think that Putin has decided that uh, he needs to control the oligarchs. I think that he's made a deal with the Jews, uh, and I don't. He's not a. He's a man who deals uh, with pragmatic issues, political issues. He's not a theoretician. He doesn't try and theorize the whole operation. And so uh, the answer to your question is, I don't know. I don't know because he hasn't so far. Okay, time for the section of the show to where we go to uh, chats via Cozy, the Cozy text chats. Uh, and every now and then I'll pop by Telegram if there's nothing popping up. Let's go to Cozy. What do we have? And obviously, if you guys want to ask uh, Gemma any questions, by all means. All right, uh, question uh, from Saved Groiper B3. Uh, why doesn't the Catholic Church ban the Catholic Order Society of the Jesuits? Ban what? The uh, Society of the Jesuits. The because Jesuits. the Jesuits are in control right now. The Jesuits are running the church. Do I need? Do I need? Do we need further proof other than simply Uganda in the news just now? Uh, James Martin has sided with the oligarchs trying to crush you, the Ugandan government, crush fellow Catholics in Uganda by demanding that they uh, impose sanctions on them because of what they're saying about uh, of trying to criminalize homosexuality. Having the Pope go to Uganda as James Martin's messenger to harangue them about uh, uh, this type of thing. Uh, this is uh, the Jesuits are running the church right now. So I'm sorry. I, I, I wish it weren't the case. They were heroic order back in the 16th century, but they are the uh, they are the stooges of the oligarchs right now. And no one has to look further than uh, James Martin. Yep. Okay. That's the next question from Kingfish AF. Uh, what do you think of Jesus Christ Superstar? <laughs> like the, the Jewish take on the gospel. Uh, sort of blasphemous. Uh, the, the tragic thing is the only time I ever saw it was being performed by a Catholic high school students. 
what can I say? Take the fascination with the Jesus movement that uh, existed in the 70s and then uh, co-opted by some uh, Jewish uh, musical extravaganza, and that's what you have. I have someone here who would like to read, have Gemma read the phone book. Okay. You can do that the next time, Gemma. <laughs> no okay. problem. Uh, oh, uh, from from uh, Cozy, uh, Dr. Jones, is it possible to marry a 37-year-old woman and have children with her if I'm 21? <laughs> There's no impediment to that marriage. No. I mean, are you, uh, is she, is she, is she married? Is she divorced? That would be an impediment. Obviously, if she had children by someone, she, she had was married. If she's divorced, you can't, re, you can't marry a divorced woman because then you're committing adultery. If she's never been married, there would be no impediment. All right. Uh, from Codcath on Cozy, uh, could Sweden ever become Catholic again? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it, 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 I think it will, or it will go extinct. This is, this is the only thing that's going to save uh, these countries. I, I've been saying that about Ireland, as Gemma knows. This is your last chance, fellas. <laughs> you have to turn to God now because you're in a, a, a tailspin. And only God can help you to get out of this tailspin. And I'm saying that for all of these uh, traditional European countries that have been targeted by the, the Jewish oligarchs with, with uh, weaponized uh, migration. Turn to God, and he will answer you in your need. From Matt Bond, uh, thoughts on artificial intelligence. Is it the researcher of Logos via technology? Or is it the reassertion of Logos via technology? There's no intelligence in artificial intelligence. Okay, let's let's... It's like, it's like military intelligence. It's an oxymoron. Uh, artificial intelligence is only what gets pro programmed into it. Okay? Artificial intelligence uh, is, can only prioritize, which is the essential to making a judgment, uh, if the priorities have been programmed, already programmed into it. So the best example I can give is um, Siri. I have a deep personal relationship with that lady. We talk to her all the time when we're in the car. She doesn't get mad at us most of the time, even when we change the route. She's programmed uh, to basically say, uh, if the traffic is moving at this, then I put green color on your route. If it's moving at this speed, I put yellow. And if it's stopped, I put red. That is not a decision that she makes. That has been made for her by the people who programmed it. So there cannot be anything called artificial intelligence. It's even more of an oxymoron than military intelligence. Uh, next question from, uh, well, user. Uh, what effect do our genes or DNA have on our life? Uh, I'll get. I'll cut to the chase here. Uh, there, uh, the best example I can give in terms, if you're talking about behavior, does do the genes affect behavior? Alcoholism is a good example because they've done blind uh, t twin studies with twins, and basically, even though they're raised separately, you kind of rule out the environmental uh, raising aspect of it. Uh, they both have the tendency toward alcoholism because their bodies are determined by DNA, by the DNA they inherited from their parents to metabolize alcohol in a certain way. And so what you find out is that those cultures, there are certain cultures uh, that have this, share this characteristic. Ireland is one. Uh, the people who grow up in Ireland have different metabolisms than the people who grow up in the deserts of uh, Arab, Arabia, uh, and Syria, places like that. And so that is an example of how DNA uh, affects your behavior, but not does not determine your behavior. So simply because you have a tendency doesn't mean that you have to take a drink. And if you know that you can't take one drink without getting drunk, then you can still have the willpower to stop if you exercise and create habits that will prevent that. So the ultimate, uh, as I said before, uh, Logos trumps DNA because Logos controls behavior, even if you're predisposed to certain behaviors 
by your uh, genetic uh, makeup. I might add that we in Ireland, you know, our Catholic priests developed one of the greatest abstinence movements in the world. And, um, you know, there's been a long tradition of that, even though this time of year we're ridiculed around the world um, for being drunks and, you know, leprechauns and all of that, which is very sad. It's very insulting. But I mean, I'm not saying the Irish don't deserve that uh, because now their culture does seem to revolve around the pub. And that's really sad. You know, there's there's nothing nice in an Irish pub anymore. There used to be. It used to be the place where you could, you know, sit as a parish and talk and, uh, but now, fortunately, there's drugs and cocaine and, you know, just people abusing alcohol. But it's sad that we've lost that great tradition of of um, moderation and, and abstinence. Right. It goes with the Catholic faith. You lose yeah, control of, of your moral life. My, uh, uh, my grandfather took the pledge. Mm. Uh, and my great aunt's... Uh, told him that they would not follow him to America unless he took the pledge and he uh, he remained abstinent when he went over there. I suspect that my great-grandfather had a drinking problem. Uh, I, I'm just speculating here because there's uh, nothing but speculation here, but I know that my grandfather did take the pledge and I know he came over here, brought his sisters over here and was very successful, uh, a successful businessman in Philadelphia. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. Reason can take control over the passions and the appetites, uh, even if they're predisposed, there's a DNA predisposition toward them. Yeah. Well, Dr. Jones, it's uh, a little past the hour here. One or two more. One more question. One more. This one can be for Gemma uh, from Irish Pie. Uh, Gemma, would you say that the Irish are genuinely pissed or angry? <laughs> Is that a joke question? <laughs> are the Irish generally angry? Yeah, because pissed means drunk in, oh, in oh. you know, it doesn't mean angry. Pissed oh. off means angry, but... I think it was asking about... Pissed the, off is yeah, angry. Yeah, essentially. He means pissed off, does he? Are they yeah. angry? Well, they've every reason to be very angry because their country's being taken from them, hand over fist, and it's unrecognizable. We're becoming a minority in our own country now, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's a living nightmare. It's heartbreaking to see what's happening to Ireland, so... Uh, is he talking in general terms? So is there any context to the question? No, just the question. Yeah. No, we're generally very happy people. Very, you know, friendly, you know, warm. We like to have fun. We like to have a bit of crack. Not that sort of crack. <laughs> C-R-A-I-C. <laughs> Although I've just contradicted myself from my previous. <laughs> but I don't. I don't partake in any of that, obviously. But um, we like to have a bit of fun and, you know, but no, at the moment, it's serious. It's a time for sobriety. It's a time to be serious because we, we have to get this country back in the same way you have to save your wonderful United States of America, which we all love so much. But I, I mean, I won't be going back there for a long time because I, I mean, I, I, I just I've been so many times, but I, I, I would just the thought of going there now would kill me to see what they've done to us. Well, you're always welcome in South Bend, Gemma. Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to be on a downer, but you know, we're we are in fight mode now and survival mode for the next few years to get things back into some sort of shape for the next innocent generations that are coming behind us. We have to leave something for them. And it's very, very serious now. It really is very, very serious. Time to turn to God. Thank you, Gemma. Thank you right, well, very I guess, much. I guess that's it. Sorry. Sorry. Um, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, quick announcements. We are now on Rumble and we are on Odyssey. And the future will also be on uh, Facebook. I'm setting that up. Uh, this was our first kind of test live stream. So for people who wanted those other uh, streams, we're on there as well. And also, Gemma, we have some suggestions in the chat that uh, you should join Cozy. So if you're interested in that, uh, I could I could get you hooked up with that. And they'll Brilliant. Probably really great, like yeah. Perfect, perfect. Thank you. Uh, that, that, that's, that's my end. Um, Dr. Jones, any last words? 
God bless us, everyone. There's tough times, but Logos is rising. Sure is. God bless everybody. See you. Good night.